All right, take your Bibles tonight. We're going to turn to the book of Proverbs, chapter number 23. The book of Proverbs, chapter number 23. And if you're able to, as you find your place in the Word of God, let's go ahead and stand uh, for the reading of God's Word. Proverbs, chapter number 23. Proverbs chapter number 23. If you found your place, would you just say amen? Amen. All right, Proverbs 23. We're going to jump into kind of the middle of the chapter to give us some context and application, and then we're going to hit the ground running tonight. We started last Sunday night a series on the home, and specifically the name of the series is Losing the Kids, and I don't know why, and so last week was part one. And this week, we're going to look at part number two. And you're like, okay, what are we talking about this week, Brother Andrew? Uh, Pastor and I talked about this this week. There's no, like, easy one, two, three, here's how you raise kids. I wish it was that way, right? I wish it was like, one, two, three, here's what you have to do, and your kids are good to go. You have no problems. They're always going to obey. You never have complications. But that's not how it is. And even sometimes, as parents, you can do everything right, And yet, still, you find difficulties sometimes in raising kids. Amen? So Proverbs chapter 23, look at verse number 12. We'll kind of read this, and and I'll give you the title for the the message tonight. In verse number 12, we're going to pick up here in Proverbs, as Solomon writes, he says, Apply thine heart unto instruction, and thine ears to the words of knowledge. Withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Some of you are like, oh, we're in verse 13 tonight. Nope, we're not. Or not. That's for another night. That's for another night, but not tonight. Verse 14. Thou shalt beat him with the rod and shalt deliver his soul from hell. My son, if thine heart be wise, my heart shall rejoice even mine. Yea, my reins shall rejoice when thy lips speak right things. Let not thine heart envy sinners. Be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day long. For surely there is an end, and thine expectation shall not be cut off. Hear thou, my son, and be wise. And guide thine heart in the way. Be not among wine-bibbers, among riotous eaters of flesh. Verse 21. For the drunkard and the glutton shall come to poverty, and drowsiness shall clothe a man with rags. Hearken unto thy father that begat thee, and despise not thy mother when she is old. Buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. Verse 24, the Bible says this, The father of the righteous shall greatly rejoice, and he that begetteth a wise child shall have joy of him. Thy father and thy mother shall be glad, and she that bare thee shall rejoice. My son, give me thine heart, and let thine thine eyes observe my ways. Read verse number 26 again, because that's really the theme verse for tonight, if you would. Verse 26 of Proverbs 23, the Bible says, My son, give me thine heart, and let thine eyes observe my ways. We started this series last week, and this week we're looking at, I guess you could say part two, or message number two in this series, and I've entitled it this, Home, Where It All Begins. Home, Where It All Begins. Father, thank you again for the privilege and the opportunity we have to be in your house this Sunday night, Lord, maybe we've come here, uh, we're just out of repetition tonight, it's just what we do every Sunday night, but Lord, to be honest with you, we need to hear from you. Uh, we don't need this Sunday night just to be any other Sunday night, we need this to be a special Sunday night where you speak to our heart. Lord, I know this is a, uh, 
touchy subject tonight, uh, one that uh, obviously is, uh, or one obviously that I approach very hesitantly because I definitely, in studying for this this week, have seen my own failures as a parent, as a Christian, as a father, as a husband. Lord, I pray tonight that you'd help us to see what the Word of God has to say when it comes to raising our children, when it comes to the home where it all begins. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Let me start off by saying again uh, this Sunday night, like I kind of did last Sunday night, that no, uh, no perfect, there's no such thing as a perfect parent. There's no such thing as a perfect child. There's no such thing as a perfect situation. Therefore, you will not uh, have this one, two, three, do this, and everything will turn out great. You, do, you don't find that. You won't, I'm not going to give you that counsel, that advice, and, and Pastor and I have talked about this even this week. He's, he's not going to either because there's, there's, there's not a set thing. You do it this exact way and everything will turn out. Last week we began this series uh, preaching about the home, and specifically we're looking at the fact that we're losing our children at an alarming rate. So what do you mean by losing, Brother Andrew? Uh, we have a, an alarming rate of children who have grown up in church, who have been raised in church, who spent a, a majority of their childhood in church, they grow up, graduate high school, maybe transition into college, maybe graduate college, whatever the case might be. And some uh, statisticians say that upwards of 80% of those kids who have spent their childhood in church are no longer in church, no longer in the house of God. And so it begs to ask the question, why is this taking place? And we live in a day and age where Christian teenagers are given a a choice, if you would, of whether or not to live for God and whether or not to be serious about the things of God. So we ask ourselves this question, why are we losing our kids and we don't know it? And the fact of the matter is tonight that we're not willing to acknowledge that there is an enemy out there and his name is Satan, amen? That we're fighting a battle, not listen, not against one another, not against spouse and spouse, not against the pastor, the youth pastor, the church, the school. Uh, we're fighting a battle against Satan himself. And if we're not careful, we don't recognize tonight who the real enemy is to our home. Listen, the enemy to our home is not the word of God. The enemy to our home is not biblical preaching. The enemy to our home is not Christian music or Christian fellowship or Christian entertainment. The enemy to our home tonight is Satan himself. And in understanding that Satan himself is the enemy, we have to acknowledge that we are, we are inept. That we are unable. Listen, there's not a person in this auditorium tonight, no matter how spiritual you are, no matter how grounded in the word of God you are, no matter how much scripture you have memorized, that would stand up and say, Brother Andrew, I am willing to face Satan himself face to face. I am willing to take him on. Man, I'm ready to throw up my fist. Matthew, you ready? Did you say yes? Everyone but Matthew is not ready to face Satan himself, right? No, no, let's just be honest tonight. When we think about the reality of who we're facing and the enemy that is out there, man, we're inept. There's there's no possible way we can defeat Satan. The enemy tonight must be recognized for who he is and what he is. And just like we said this last week, I, I, I was going through the notes even this afternoon, and there's going to be some redundancy that takes place, but man, it, it needs to be there. It needs, we need to be reminded as a, as a church and as parents. But just like God has a will for each and every one of our lives, Satan has a will, or if we say like this, Satan has a desire to destroy us. The Bible tells us in James chapter number four that friendship, we'll say like this, that word friendship means a fondness, a friendship or a fondness with the world is enmity or a hostility with God. That the Bible says this, that if I have a friend, 
friendship or a fondness or a, a liking, a desire for the things of this world, that I am at odds or I'm at hostility with God. Whosoever therefore be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. You see, God's will tonight is that we love not the world, 1 John 2.15, but Satan's will is that we be friendly with the world, James 4.4. 4. So last week we began looking at where it started to go wrong. And just to kind of highlight and review quick things, we looked at three specific things as parents. And you say, why are we doing this, Brother Andrew? Because if you weren't here last night, you want to make the note? Here's the note. Uh, where does it begin to go wrong? Number one, when we don't know our role. When we as parents don't know the role, listen, God has given us a specific role as parents in our kids' life. First of all, parents have the role of authority in their life. I'm thankful for each one of my kids, but listen, my kids are not my boss. I'm going to say it again. I'm thankful for each one of my five kids, but my kids are not my boss. You say, what do you mean by that, Brother Andrew? My kids don't tell me what to do. Listen, they are not my boss. That's not how God put the order in place. If you were here a couple weeks ago, as Brother Sam preached that message, he talked about order in the home and the significance of the order. Listen, I'm not, I'm not, listen, my kids don't boss me around. They're not like, Dad, you will do this. Dad, you will, could you imagine Levi walking up to me going, Dad, you will do this. How come, son? Because I'm your son, you're my dad, therefore you will do what I say. Levi, don't get any ideas. It's not happening. No, no, listen, as parents, we have the role of authority. But then secondly, parents, we have the role of providing a godly example. Man, we're going we're gonna to dive really deep in this tonight, and it's going to get really, really personal. But parents, we have the role of being a, providing a godly example within our home. True happiness in the home only happens when the father fulfills his role in the home and the wife fulfills her role in the home. Listen, I, I don't have time to go there. We'll maybe go there another night, whether it's next Sunday night or last Sunday night. But there's a specific balance within the home that needs to take place. Listen, the father's the head of the home. I said the father's the head of the home. It's not, it's, listen, it's not the wife. And so often, I hate saying it like this, but so often uh, I've seen in, 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 in ministry and even in my adult life where, where the, the husband just isn't the leader that he ought to be. And the wife is behind the scenes kind of directing, and there's mass chaos within the home. And listen, your kids and my kids see that take place. Now, I'm not saying that as a husband and as a leader, I'm going to be disrespectful to my wife. I, listen, I, you can ask her tonight. You have my permission to ask her, is Brother Andrew disrespectful to you as, as the mother and as his spouse? I'm pretty sure Miss Crystal would say, no, he's not. Right? 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 Okay, good. good. All right. You can ask her then. No. No, no, but I'm serious. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a power trip that, that, that I have to be on as I'm the husband, I'm the father, I'm the leader. Uh, you ask my wife, there's a lot of things we talk about when it comes to our kids that's conversation that takes place amongst both of us. And a lot of times at the end of the day as the father, I'm like, she'll say, hey, here's what I think, here's what I've been praying about, let's talk about this. And then she'll say something like this, you're the father, you're the leader, I'll, I'll leave it up to you, you make the decision. Listen, there's not a power trip that goes on where I'm like, bless God, I'm the husband, I'm the man. Uh, you will listen to me, woman. That's not how it works. But listen, I got to know my place. And listen, not just my place of authority, but how about this? My place of responsibility. My place of responsibility. Listen, she's not responsible for leading the home. I am. And here's where a big mistake takes place in our homes is when the mother is the leader of the home. That's not how God intended it. And it got real quiet. It's not how God intended it. 
God desired and designed the home and the structure of the home that the man be the leader, but that the wife, listen, the wife be in submission and subjection to her husband. Last couple of weddings I've been to and the, the preacher does the vows and it's always interesting, I always wait when he does the vows and the vows normally for the man and the woman are just a little bit different. And I always find it interesting when I go to a wedding and uh, the preacher's giving the vows for the, for the lady and he takes out that part about submission. No, no, it's still in the word of God. It's still in the word of God. Still in the word of God. But at the same time, listen, at the same time, the wife has to know her role as well. The wife, the wife has to know the example that she sets, listen, for her husband as well as for her children. So we've got to know our roles. And fathers, we've got a major responsibility in our home. If our mindset tonight is this, well, listen, I go to work, I bring home the bacon, and she just needs to deal with the kids. Can I say this? You are failing as a father. Under the authority of the Word of God, you and I, if that is our mindset tonight, we are failing as a father. We have a God-given command and responsibility to lead our home. Lead your home. Lead your home. Lead your home. The number two, we looked at this, why we're losing our kids. We looked at this, where does it start to go wrong? When we don't embrace the responsibility God has given us. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 4, the Bible tells us this, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. I find it interesting there that as Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, he didn't say, And ye fathers and mothers... And ye parents. He said, ye fathers. No, no, that's very specific. Because earlier in the chapter, earlier in the beginning part of chapter number six, you notice that Paul said this, children obey your what? Parents. Children obey your parents. But yet when he gets down, then he gets down to verse number four, he says, and ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We have to embrace the responsibility that we as fathers, specifically, we as parents have an obligation to bring our children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. While nurture means that we speaks of training our children, admonition speaks of warning our children. Then number three, we looked at this. Parents, what you do is what you get. How you live speaks louder and longer than what you say. How you respond to your heavenly father comes right back at you from your kids. To the degree that you disobey and disregard your heavenly father, you legitimize your children's disobedience and disregard of you. If you live in disobedience, you discount your ability to expect obedience in your children. Okay, so that's review. Saw, or Proverbs chapter 23. Let's look at our text tonight. Proverbs chapter number 23. In our text tonight, Solomon is writing to his son. And for, for the sake of time, we won't go long and hard into it, but we know this, that the book of Proverbs was written by King Solomon. We know that Solomon was David's son, David's son from Bathsheba. And we know that Solomon, outside of Jesus Christ, was the wisest human being, the wisest person to walk upon the face of this earth. And so the book of Proverbs gives a lot of truth, a lot of wisdom, a lot of knowledge. And in chapter number 23, Solomon is writing unto his son, and no more than five times, specifically in our text that we read tonight, Solomon references the heart of his son. No, no, look at verse number 12. He says this, Apply thine heart unto instruction. Verse number 15, My son, if thine heart be wise. Verse number 17, Let not thine heart envy sinners. Verse number 19, And guide thine heart in the way. Verse number 26, My son, give me thine heart. You see, the key to parenting tonight is not necessarily found in structure or discipline. It's not necessarily found in rules 
or freedoms. It's not found in some new self-help parenting book, but the key to parenting is found within the heart of your child. The heart is the key to godly parenting. The heart. In the Bible, the heart is a term for the center of man's thinking, emotions, and will. Say, can you prove that, Brother Andrew? Absolutely. Speaking about the heart, man thinks in his heart, according to Genesis chapter 6, verse number 5, and Proverbs 23, verse number 7. He understands with his heart, Proverbs chapter 2, verse number 2. He deviseth his way with his heart, Proverbs chapter 16, verse number 9. The heart meditates, Psalm 19, verse number 14. The heart considers, Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse number 39. The heart purposes, Daniel chapter 1, verse number 8. The heart takes counsel, Proverbs chapter 20, verse number 5. The heart reasons, Luke chapter 5, verse number 22. The heart desires, Romans chapter 10, verse number 1. The heart has intentions, Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 12. From the heart proceed all the actions and motivations of mankind, Proverbs 4, verse 23 through verse 27. The heart is the key to parenting. Well, Brother Andrew, I thought it was discipline. It's the heart. No, no, discipline's part of it, but it's the heart. Man, I thought it was education. It's the heart. I thought it was rules and and boundaries and restrictions and you can't do this, but you can do this. It's the heart. It's the heart. The battle for the hearts and minds of our children must be won first in the home. As the home goes, so goes the church. In his book, Rearing Spiritual Children, author Terry Comer makes the following statement. The church or school, Christian school, will never resurrect what the home puts to death. I'm going to say that again, because I think sometimes we kind of try to separate the two, but these all come together. Watch. The church or school will never resurrect what the home puts to death. What does that mean, Brother Andrew? The word of God is being preached. Biblical, listen, if the word of God is being preached from a biblical perspective, and you go home and you live a different way, null and void what takes place right here. Null and void what takes place right here. It's amazing to me how many people struggle, how many people have no joy, uh, no excitement, no drive, no motivation for the things of God. And here's the reason why. It's not the preaching, it's not the preacher, it's not the service, it's not the choir, it's not the song leading, it's, it's not their brother or sister in Christ, it's them. Because deep down inside, they want it their way. You cannot have God's way and your way and make them work. It doesn't work that way. And when it comes to us as parents, the responsibility we have as kids, we cannot say, God, I want my kids, I, I, listen, I, I'm going to get very, I know, I know we got a little bit of a younger crowd tonight, but I feel like we need to get very blunt tonight. I, I don't want my kids to come home and, and have a child out of wedlock. I don't want my kids to come home and, and be a drunk. I don't want my kids to come home and be a drug addict. I don't want my kids to come home and, and deal with all these problems that this world has. I don't want that for their life. But at the same time over here, we're like, I don't want my kid to live godly. I don't want my kid to live separated. I don't want my kid to be different. I want them just to be like everybody else. Amen. And we got parents tonight in this auditorium. They want that, but they also want this. And we wonder why we're losing our kids. We wonder why. Listen, we wonder why sometimes in ministry it's so discouraging and depressing. We wonder why sometimes people in ministry would just want to quit. Because you pour your heart into people's lives and you watch them make mistake after mistake after mistake. 
and they thumb their nose, listen, at God, and all you're trying to say is, listen, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be like that. It doesn't have to be miserable. It doesn't have to be full of, uh, of pity and shame and grief and depression and anxiety and, and suicide and all those things. It doesn't have to be like that. But yet we want what we want. We miss out on what God has for us. When we go home and live a different way, we null and void the preaching of God's word. The man of God studies all week. He prepares a message from God. He pours over it. He prays over it. He weeps over it. He wrestles with it. Wrestles with it. I was talking to Brother Marty yesterday. He stopped by the church. I said, hey, Brother Marty, you ready for tomorrow? He's like, I got three messages I'm, I'm praying about. I don't know. Hey, if some of you think you can stand up here and preach the Word of God, have at it. It's not easy, right, Brother Brad? <laughs> it's not easy. It is a weight of weights when you get behind this desk. It's a lot. More times than we're willing to acknowledge a child's desire to live for God, serve God, be completely sold out to God is determined not by a week at youth camp on the side of a mountain in Colorado. It's not decided by a youth rally or by a special meeting held at their local church. No, that determination is made in the home where what they have heard preached to them should be put into practice and lived out by their mom and dad. But the sad reality tonight is that most parents do not have the heart of their child. No, no, they might have obedience, but not the heart. Having the heart of your child is key to raising godly children. I'm just going to kind of time out here for just a second. And, and uh, after I preached last Sunday night, and, and I'll be honest with you, I, I did not know. My, my brain was all over the place last Sunday night. Didn't know if all the thoughts came together and conveyed what I knew God wanted me to convey. There's quite a few of our older folks that came up to me privately and just made a statement. and said, you know, Brother Andrew, I wish I would have heard that message when I was about 25, 30 years old raising my family. Some of you young families here tonight, myself included, because I'm still kind of young, I'm still under 40, amen, still young. Those young families tonight, it would be in the best interest for us maybe to pull a dear saint of God off to the side and say, hey, you know what, I, I, I want to raise my kids right. Is there some advice that I could ask you that you could give me? Is there some way I could handle this situation uh, to the honor and glory of God? Is there something maybe you see in me as a parent that maybe I could tweak a little bit? You know why we won't do that? Because we're too prideful. We think we got to figure it out. We think we can do a better, man, I can do a way better job raising my kids than Brother Joey. I don't, I don't need any counsel. I don't need any advice. We might have their obedience, but not their heart. Having the heart of your child is key to fulfilling the God-given and God-commanded role you and I have as parents. But having the heart of your child is no easy task. And here's why. Because in order to have the heart of your child, God must first have your heart. In order for you to have the heart of your child, God must first have your heart. In his book, Passionate Parenting, Enjoying the Journey of Parenting Teenagers, author Kerry Schmidt begins with a letter he received from a young lady he had never met. He got that letter back in 2010. The book was published in 2012. Great, great, great book. I read the book and thought, man, as a youth pastor, this is exactly how I'd write it. I want to read this letter to you. It's a little long, but I think it'll give you some context for the rest of the message tonight. She writes this. She says, a few years ago, I read your book, Hook, Line, and Sinker, Discover Your Destiny and Life Quest. I found them to be extremely encouraging and instructive. 
these books showed me that not only do we have a, that you have a real heart for young people, but you also understand us as well. I am writing to ask you to consider writing a book to our parents and youth workers. Let me explain. I am a junior at a well-known Christian college. I grew up in highly respected churches and went to excellent Christian schools. My father has been a Christian worker since before I was born. One would think that my testimony would go something like this, quote, I was saved when I was about five, and I had dedicated my life to God, and I have been growing a lot and serving Him, and now I'm studying to serve Him full time. But that isn't my story. Actually, though I did make a profession of faith when I was very young, I didn't get saved until I was 17. Since I was 12 and now into college, I have struggled with, quote, serious issues. And I found out that when I went to college, that I'm not the only, quote, good kid who is or has struggled with, still struggling with serious stuff. We struggle with issues like this, eating disorders, depression, suicide, cutting, pornography, gender identity, homosexuality, drugs, drinking, immorality, and the list could go on. We listen to, quote, wild music. We idolize pop culture's heroes. We watch dirty sitcoms. We have no discrimination in our entertainment, dress, or any aspect of our lifestyle. Obviously, I've generalized all our problems, and you would not find that every Christian young person from a conservative background struggles with all of these issues. And praise God, some of us do not struggle with any of these issues. My point is this, that the problems that we are supposed to be, that are supposed to be bad kids' problems, belong to us good kids as well. Unfortunately, our parents and youth workers didn't know that we struggled with these things, and they don't know what to do with us when they find out. Quite frankly, I believe that if you grab the average Christian school teacher or youth worker and ask them, quote, what would you do if you found out that one of your kids you work with is a homosexual, they wouldn't know what to say. My point is not simply that they don't know what we struggle with or how to deal with it. I think there is a pretty simple reason why, quote, good kids struggle with some serious stuff, and that there is solution. At the risk of being blunt, I'm going to be blunt. You ready? Our parents did not spend time teaching us to love God. Our parents put us in Sunday school since K-4. Our parents took us to church every time the doors opened and sent us to every youth activity. They made sure we went to good Christian colleges. They had us sing in the choir, help in the nursery, be ushers, and go soul winning. We did teen devotionals and prayed over every meal. We did everything right, and they made sure that we did. But they forgot about our hearts. They forgot that the Bible never commanded the church alone to teach children about God and His ways. That responsibility was laid first at the feet of our fathers. Unfortunately, our fathers didn't have time for us. They put us where we are surrounded by the Bible, but they didn't take time to show us that God was important enough to them to tell us personally about Him. So to us, Christianity has become a religion of externals. Do all the right stuff and you're a good Christian. So some of us walk away from church. Some of us stay in church and fill a pew. Many of us struggle with stuff that our parents have no idea about because they hardly know us. I think these problems stem from first our detachment from our parents and second from our misunderstanding about the essence of Christianity, a relationship, not a list of rules. I worry that many young people like me are not even saved because of their misunderstanding about Christianity. I know that this has not been a well-articulated letter, but it comes from my heart. And if you are able to help us and our families, we would be grateful. I realize that probably there is no way to fix the fact that kids my age are detached from their parents or to straighten out the crazy stuff that we struggle with. The alienation is fixed. The scars are permanent. I know our situation is not hopeless. God is at work in my life and my generation among those of us who have struggled and are struggling. 
But maybe our younger siblings can have some help that we never had. Maybe you could write a book for our parents that will grab their attention and help them see that this is serious, that their kids need them desperately. It's a pretty powerful letter when you think about it. And I'll be honest with you, I read the book back in 2012, got it when it first came out. I've looked at it pretty much every year since then. Man, she just hit the nail on the head. The nail on the head. There's truth in that letter that she wrote to the author. Kids are longing for a real passionate and biblical parent. Not perfect parents, but parents growing in grace and sincerely following Christ. They long to see a genuine walk with God. So we have to ask ourselves this question tonight when we talk about the home and where it begins. Am I setting the right example as a parent? Am I practicing what I preach? You say, oh, Brother Andrew, you don't understand. I have, I have little kids. I have young kids. I have kids that don't even talk. No, no, listen. Your example starts even then. Amen. You can't wait till your kids are 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 15 years old to set a good example. It starts now, day one. Am I practicing what I preach? Am I living for God before my children? Am I consistent in what I allow within the walls of my home? Will my choices now affect whether or not my child stays in church? Losing our kids does not begin in the youth group, nor does it begin in the pews of our churches. It does not begin with the preacher, nor does it begin with worldly acts. It begins with you and I as parents who do not have their heart completely yielded and surrendered to God. That's where it begins. You and I are just a link in the chain of authority, and we're under authority. Well, we we, we tell our kids, hey, I'm your authority. I'm the dad. I'm the mom. I'm your authority. Listen, bucko, there's an authority over you as well. It's not your wife. It's not your boss. It's your heavenly father. You have an authority over you. Could it be tonight the reason we are losing our kids is that we as parents are disobedient to God? As parents, could we say that we have honestly obeyed God in everything that we do? James chapter 4, verse 17, the Bible tells us this, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is what? Sin. Son, daughter, you need to obey God. You need to do what God tells you to do. Hey, listen, and you need to obey me. I'm your parent. I'm your authority. Are we obeying God? So how do we begin to have the heart of my child? How do I begin to have the heart of my child? How do I begin to be the parent God desires me to be? Give you four things and we'll be done tonight. Number one, number one, turn over to, hold your place in Proverbs chapter 23 and turn over to Ephesians chapter number six real quick. The book of Ephesians chapter number six. Ephesians chapter number six. How do I begin to have the heart of my child? For some of us, this is going to be harder than we think. No, no, it's, it's going to be hard. It's not easy. Listen, anybody who said parenting is easy, they're a liar. <laughs> parenting is hard. Parenting is difficult. Parenting, listen, parenting teenagers, it's not easy. Listen, I, I, I've got three teenage daughters. Praise the Lord. Listen, I don't hate it. I don't wake up in the morning and go, man, I can't believe they're teenagers. Oh, I can't wait till they're like gone and I don't look at life, I don't look at parenting that way. Listen, if you're a parent tonight, and that's how you look at parenting, that is a sad state to be. That is a sad, you need to be at this altar getting your heart right. I've heard people over the years tell me, Brother Angel, I don't know how you can deal with teenagers, I don't know how you can deal with teenagers. Man, I love teenagers, love teenagers. Tell pastor all the time, man, I can pretty much get teenagers to do anything. It's their parents that I have problems with, amen? (laughs) Tongue in cheek, Amen. 
But look at this, Ephesians chapter number six. Look at verse number six. Actually, let's go, let's go to verse number one. Let's kind of just give it some context here. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, there's this verse, and ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart, as unto Christ. Now watch number verse number six. Not with eye service as man pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, listen, doing the will of God, where? From the heart. You want to know how how to have the heart of your child? Here it is. Number one, you as the adult, as the parent, must pursue God and love Jesus Christ with all your heart. No, no, listen. You say, well, Brother Andrew, it cannot be that easy. No, it is that easy. The problem is, is we don't pursue God. We know, listen, everybody over here, we pursue everything else this world has to offer. Money, fame, job, retirement, uh, pleasure, 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 pleasure. We, we pursue all those things, but we don't pursue God. We don't pursue God. Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 6 reminds us that to do the will of God from the heart. God tells us his first command is that we love him with all our hearts. Your children, your child knows what or whom you love. They know what or whom you love. <clears throat> I, I, you know, one of the, one of the things that I, I appreciated, I appreciated about 2020 and COVID, ready, is the lack of all the sports. Now listen, I grew up playing sports, man, we'd, we'd, we'd watch SportsCenter religiously every morning before I got on the school bus. Man, I knew all the stats, I saw all the highlights, Man, I knew Stuart Scott. I mean, I knew everybody. Scott Van Pelt. I knew, I knew them all. I'm like, yeah, I know that. Dan Rather. I knew them all, them guys back in the day. Sports Center, right? I mean, I knew them all. But man, 2020 hit, no sports. You know what I realized? Here's what I realized. Man, sports had a control over me. I was pursuing that more than I was pursuing God. Listen, and, and we're now in 2022, almost into 2023. And man, we're all bent out of shape if the Chiefs lose. We're bent out of shape if the Chiefs win because we didn't get the call on this goal line stance. We're bent out of shape about this and we're bent out of shape about that. And man, we get so upset. Why? Because we're in pursuit of the pleasure of this world. Here's what God says. No, no. You need to pursue me. Well, Brother Andrew, I really want the heart of my child. I want to raise my child right. I want to raise my child godly. I want, to, I want, to, I want them to succeed in life. But don't tell me to pursue God and forsake everything else. Well, that's exactly what I'm telling you. Look at verse number six. Not with eye service as man pleasers, but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. You really think God in heaven cares whether or not the Chiefs win a football game? Hey, listen. uh, I I didn't go yesterday, so I can say this. You really think God cares whether or not you got a deer on opening day? No, he doesn't, does he, Brother Walt? doesn't matter. But yet... Listen, that is our focus, that's our drive, and it eats us up. If you were here during the revival service, remember Brother Sam gave the illustration about Brother Richard King, Pastor Richard King, pastor of Eagle Heights Baptist Church down in Kansas City for years, instrumental in Skyline Baptist Church up in Seattle, Washington, and now is, is, is coming under the effects of, of dementia and Alzheimer's. Listen, and he gave the testimony to Brother Sam of being so consumed, even as a pastor, as a man of God, with deer hunting, that he had to walk away from it. Walk away from it. I, I, I remember a pastor, Pastor Jeff Abels. He was my pastor in high school. Most of you all know Brother Abels. I remember Brother, Brother Abels, he, he enjoys golf. He likes golf, right? He likes golf. 
I remember as a teenager hearing him preach about being fully yielded and surrendered to God. And then he gave him this testimony about throwing out his golf clubs because he recognized the fact that golf was controlling him. Listen, are we really pursuing God? Or is God just kind of an afterthought to our life? Is God just a, a piece of our life? No, no. Our kids see whether or not we're really pursuing God. You see, we can't fool our kids because we can sit in church and amen the preaching, yet go home and turn on ungodly music. We can sit in church and sing to the glory of God, but watch ungodly things on the TV, read and drool over the latest gossip, and spend money on ourselves, but bucket the thought of tithing. Listen, don't worry. God's not going to tell you to give a big offering because you can't even tithe. Come on, yes. Oh, now we're getting real personal, Brother Andrew. Well, listen, listen, we want the heart of our kids. We want our kids' heart, do we not, as a parent? Why, why, would we, why would we expect our kids to have our kids' heart when we ourselves aren't even willing to give our heart to God? Willing to submit to God's authority and leadership in our life. Man, I want, I want Levi, he's asleep, praise the Lord. I want, I want Levi to recognize my authority as his father. Not in a like, oh, he's my dad, I, gotta, I, don't, I don't want that. I think he cried and cried last week when I used him as an example. That wasn't the point, I wasn't trying to get him to cry. Listen, I want him to recognize that authority and to respect that authority. But man, if I'm not willing to recognize God's authority in my life and respect the authority God has in my life and do what the word of God says, how dare I as a parent put that pressure on him? And yet here we are, man, man, why is is my kid so rebellious? Have you looked in the mirror lately? Man, why isn't my kid just all, why isn't my kid just sold out to God? Have you looked in the mirror lately? Man, why is there so much struggle in my family? Why does it just seem like things aren't going well? Have you looked in the mirror lately? Remember last week, parents, I asked you to write on your piece of paper your desire for your kids. Hopefully you still have that in your Bible. And if you don't have it, man, I encourage you to write it out. We'll look at it here in a couple weeks. Say, Brother Andrew, I have this specific desire for my kids, and I'm not seeing it play out in their life. Could it be maybe that your Heavenly Father has the same desire in your life, and He's not seeing it play out in your life either? No, we're quick to throw down on our kids. We're quick to say, hey, I need to discipline them. Hey, they're in timeout. Hey, they need a whooping. Hey, they need this. Man, we're quick to throw down the hammer on our children. But man, we hesitate looking at ourselves in the mirror, knowing that we are in the wrong. Some of us walk into church and we're like, bless me if you can, Pastor Marshall. Bless me if you can, Brother Bronner, as you're up there song leading. Man, I'm just going to do my own thing. We wonder why we're losing our kids. And here's the really sad thing. The sad thing is, is I'm going to say this with the utmost respect. Some of our older adults here tonight who have talked to me this last week and have said things like, man, if only I could go back and do it this way. If only I could change. Listen, not my kids, but me. But me. Here's, here's what I find, Brother Rick, in wisdom, is that we recognize, hey, it's not my kids that's the problem starts with me and if we would listen if we would get off our high horse and get off our ego and humble ourselves and go man I'm not what I need to be man we can have our kids heart but when we walk around like we're the bee's knees and we got it all figured out we're missing out tonight you see our problem tonight is that we don't pursue God and by not pursuing after God we're showing him nor we're not showing him nor our children that we really truly love him Luke chapter 16, verse number 13, the Bible says this, No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and 
mammon. Your kids watch you serve someone or something. Who is it tonight? Your kids know tonight who has your heart. I'm going to say that again. Your kids know tonight who has your heart. Secondly, tonight, secondly, not only must you pursue God and love Jesus with all your heart, but secondly, this is easier said than done, you've got to obey your heavenly Father and let your kids know. Let me ask you this question tonight, and only you can answer this. Are you faithful to church? What you think about it for a second tonight? Are you faithful to church? So what do you mean by that, Brother Andrew? Listen, I, I, I'm talking about not talking about just being in a seat. A lot of times we think about being faithful to church, we think about just being in a seat and being in a place, being in a position. When I'm talking about being faithful to church, like when you come to church, are you here? Are you really here? I, I, I watched the song service this morning and even tonight, and even tonight as the choir sang, and some of us are just here to be here. Go ahead, brother. So, man, this is really kind of blunt on a Sunday night, Brother Andrew. Well, yeah. sometimes we need that. Are we really faithful to church? Why do you come to church? Why do you come to church? Anybody ever ask you that before? Anybody during handshake say, hey, Brother Chris, it's good to see you tonight. Why are you here? <laughs> What's your purpose for being at church tonight? Man, I, hopefully we could say this, man, I'm here because I want to hear from God. I'm here because I, I want my relationship with God to be what it needs to be, but not just that, but I'm here so I can obey God and what he has for me. But you've got to obey. We as parents got to obey our Heavenly Father and let our kids know about it. One of the biggest mistakes we make as parents is we're convinced, we've convinced ourselves that our children can make the right decisions for themselves. We've convinced ourselves into believing that we can't force our kids into believing in God. We just simply, but listen, we would just simply obey God. Our kids would see in us truth. So what do you mean by that, Brother Andrew? So, Pastor Marshall gets up and preaches this last Wednesday night. And Wednesday night, he's, he's preaching a series on what? Standards. Some of you are like, I don't want to answer that. He's preaching a series on standards. Man, and, and I, I remember the, the, the very first Wednesday night, he preached uh, a couple weeks ago on standards, and then afterward, he was talking to me. He's like, he's like what do you think? What do you think? I said, I, mean, I think people were kind of like, as soon as you said standards, were kind of like, <gasps> kind of just kind of very reserved. But the Word of God's being preached, and this last Wednesday night, pastor's preaching the message and, and talking really in a nutshell about whether or not God really has you. God really has you. You've been bought with a price. God really has you. We're like, man, driving home, man, that's a great message. Man, that's so good. Man, man, my kids needed to hear that. No, I needed to hear that. Because I have to ask myself, does God really have me? It, listen, it doesn't matter if I'm in a suit. It doesn't matter if I have an office. It doesn't matter if I'm here uh, seven days a week. It doesn't matter if I'm cleaning. It doesn't matter if I'm singing. It doesn't matter if I'm preaching. The question tonight is really this. Does God have me? Am I really obeying my Heavenly Father the way that God desires me to obey Him? We struggle because we don't obey God. Listen, it's not about obeying the preacher. It's about obeying God. It's not about obeying the youth pastor. It's about obeying God. It's not about obeying the trends of this world. It's about obeying God. Amen. The preacher is nothing more than a messenger who proclaims the word of God. And at the end of the day, your obedience, my obedience, should be to God and God alone. Man, I want the heart of my child. Pursue God. 
Love God with all your heart. But listen, obey God. Obey God. We're going to, real quick, and we're going to move on. <clears throat> it, always, it always kind of fascinates me when we go to like youth camp. We spend a week at camp and watch God do some, some amazing work in kids' hearts, kids' lives. And they come back and have a three, four, four and a half hour testimony service. Man, to God be the glory. To God be the glory. But you know what's really sad is when I follow up with teenagers and I say, hey, did you get a chance to sit down and talk with your mom and dad? Yeah, Brother Andrew, I, I got a chance to talk to my mom and dad. I got a chance to, to really, uh, you know, really open up with them. Okay, well, did you tell them this that you told me? Did you tell them this is the struggle? Did you tell them, yeah, yeah, I, I, I talked to them about that. And, and what, Brother Andrew? And what? We know what to do. We've heard the word of God. We hear the word of God preached multiple times a week. We know what's right. We know what's biblical. We know what God wants for us. But the problem lies that we don't obey God's word. That when we are confronted with the sin that's in our life, we kind of push it aside. Listen, moms and dads, you only have one opportunity to raise your kids. Listen, there is no reset. There is no respawn. There is no, hey, turn it off real quick. Turn it back on. Maybe we can start. There's none of that. You have one opportunity to raise your kids. Miss Crystal and I talk about this quite a bit when we talk about decisions for our kids, things that we're praying about, things that we discuss, and there's certain things that we allow our kids to do, certain things we don't allow our kids to do. One of, the, one of the rules we have as a family is that our kids, I'll just use our kids as an example, our kids aren't allowed to watch a movie unless Miss Crystal and I watch it first. Just a rule we have. It's a rule we've had since Emily was little. She's 16 years old. Guess what? Same rule applies to Levi, even though he's only five and he's the baby and everybody loves him. Rule applies to him. Say, man, Brother Andrew, why would you do that? Here's why. Because God has given me a direct command to raise those kids in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And I have a responsibility to obey him, not them. Amen. Oh, no, there's been times my kids have come to me and say, Dad, can we watch this? And I'm like, nope, I haven't watched it yet. Or I've read a review on it. And I'm like, you're not watching that. You're not going to watch that. Well, man, Brother Andrew, you're kind of a mean parent. Am I a mean parent? Thank you, Lydia. She's the only one that answered. That's why she's my favorite. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Listen, we have an, we have an obligation to obey God. Parents, don't neglect your obedience to God. Go over to 2 Timothy chapter 3 real quick. 2 Timothy chapter number 3. 2 Timothy chapter number 3. How do I begin to have the heart for my child, or the heart of my child, Brother Andrew? Number one, you've got to pursue God and love Jesus with all your heart. Number two, sorry, number one, that was number one. Number two, you've got to obey God, your heavenly Father, and let your kids know. But then number three, <clears throat> number three, don't get caught in the appearance trap. What do you mean by that, Brother Andrew? Look at, look at 2 Timothy chapter number 3 and verse number 1. I want you to notice what Paul writes to Timothy here. He says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Watch this. 
For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Does that not speak of our society today? No, we're not just talking about adults, man, even young people today. Men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce makers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, listen, look, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Now watch what he writes in verse number five. Paul would write this to Timothy. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such, turn away. Number three, don't get caught in the appearance game. Don't play a game spiritually. Too many parents act one way at home, rather unspiritual, and another way at church, spiritual. Too many kids see their dads pray with men at church, but never, listen, never with their family at home. They see dad talk to men at church and have this great relationship with men at church, but yet they don't have a good relationship with their own children. They see their dad have a great relationship with men at church, but they don't see dad have a great relationship with mom. The game doesn't work, and this game doesn't work in leading teenagers. You see, they see straight through it, and they resent, listen, they resent the external thoughts and the external actions of us just trying simply to do what we do for appearance sake. But we as God's people must let our life flow from the inside out. The externals of the Christian life, the preaching, the teaching, the worship, the service, the lifestyle, only makes sense to our kids if you have a genuine heart walk with God. Therefore, throughout the scripture, we see the evidence of people who on the outside look great, but on the inside weren't walking with God. Cain, Judas Iscariot, Ananias and Sapphira, Oh yeah, Brother Andrew, I, I know about all those people. Okay, let me, give you, let me give you two more names. David. On the outside, everything looked good, but on the inside, murder, adultery. Oh yeah, it didn't just affect David, it affected his son, Solomon, who we read about in Proverbs chapter 23. Yet at the same time, we see countless individuals who did walk with God, the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter number 5, just an example, that Enoch walked with God. As a parent who desires to raise their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, we must have a Christ-centered life rather than a life centered on something else. We must have a spirit-filled walk rather than a flesh-filled walk. We must put off the old man and put on the new man. Stop playing the appearance game. Your kids see right through it. My kids see right through it. When they see appearance... It's not real. It's not real. It's just fake. It's just phony. And then lastly, Titus chapter 2, verse number 11, number 4. How do I begin to have the heart of my child? Number 4, we must prove our beliefs and biblical standards. Titus chapter 2, verse number 11. Do you notice what God gives us here? In Titus chapter 2, verse number 11, the Bible tells us this, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. I want you to notice what's written here. Titus chapter 2, verse number 11 and 12. He says, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live. Here's how we should live. 
No, no, this isn't, this isn't just what Brother Andrew said. This is what God's saying, that we should live soberly. Well, what does that mean, Brother Andrew? It means that I shouldn't be a drunk? No, no, that word soberly is talking about seriousness. There's a seriousness to life. No, 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 listen, life's not a game. If you haven't looked at the news, you haven't looked at social media, you haven't looked at society, it's not a game. Not a game. One of the, the things that has gone on this last, this last week and all the political stuff that's taken place, uh, an underlining thing that's gone on is a lot of local elections involving school boards. If you, have, if you had a chance to read about that, a lot of local elections involving school boards and people rising up. Why? Because school districts are pushing an agenda upon our children. That a six, seven, eight-year-old young boy, if he wants to be a girl, he can be a girl and we'll do everything, everything possible to make him a girl. And vice versa. Teaching us the denying ungodliness and worldly lust that we should live soberly. Seriously. Serious-minded. Like our eyes wide open to what's taking place, what's around us. What our kids are having to deal with. Righteously and godly in this present world. While externals do not produce spirituality, a true spiritual heart will always show externally. You can't hide godliness beneath a carnal exterior. Our kids need to see us, us as parents, growing in obedience and commitment to Christ and proving it day by day. You see, it starts in the heart, but it flows into all of our life. A growing child of God will be seeking godliness and holiness in their life, and our kids are looking for behavior that is driven by biblical belief. We desire to see our kids saved, yet we allow them to watch ungodly shows, movies, listen to ungodly music, or play ungodly video games. We tell our kids church is important, yet we are unfaithful to the house of God. We don't show up for attendance, and when we do show up, we want nothing to do with what has taken place. We don't sing, we don't participate in the offering, we don't participate in the preaching, and we don't participate in the invitation time, because we're just here taking a place on a chair. When we allow our children to participate in things that are ungodly, we're proving to them that our obedience to God and His Word is not as important as you and I make it out to be when we're at church and when we're around church friends. Go back to Proverbs chapter 23. We'll wrap this up and be done for the night. So man, Brother Andrew, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot. <clears throat> so let me kind of throw in a disclaimer here as we wrap everything up. And this, this is, we're going to kind of shift for just a second from the parents to the kids, to the teenagers and the young people that are here tonight. So some of us are, we've heard, we've heard the message last week, we've heard the message this week, we're like, man, we're this, this is heavy on mom and dad, heavy on mom and dad, heavy on mom and dad. And listen, I'll be honest with you, when it comes to the home, it comes to family, it comes to parenting, it has to be mom and dad heavy. It has to be mom and dad heavy, okay? But kids, listen, let me emphasize this to the young people tonight. You cannot blame rebellion on mom and dad's hypocrisy. I'm going to say it again, because some of you, some of you it's, not, it's not clicking. You cannot blame your rebellion or your disregard for God and the things of God on your mom and dad, who they themselves may be disregarding the things of God. I kind of shared a little bit of my, my testimony last week, but man, for so many years, I went to church, my dad did not go. So many years I'd be there, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, youth activities, visitation, bus ministry, you name it, I was there. And my dad was never to be found, Brother Dan. It had been so easy, Brother Dan, for me to look at my dad and say, he's not going to live for God? I'm not either. Because here's what happened. 
My grandfather and my grandmother, when they had, they had my dad at the time, my grandmother went to church. My dad turned 10 years old. His mom looked at him and said this, you, I'll give you a choice. You can either go to church with me or you can stay home and watch NASCAR with your dad out in the shop. So here's what my dad chose, Matthew at 10 years old, to stay at home with my grandpa and work in the wood shop every Sunday. And here's what's amazing. Being a, being, a, being a firefighter and being in the military, I, I'm, there was places my dad went to. We had no idea where he was at. 9-11 hit. He left the next day right after 9-11, was in the Middle East for six months, no communication, no idea where he was, no idea if he was alive or dead. No idea. But because of that one simple decision, he chose not to go to church. And listen, it affected me. And it affected me so much so that when I became a teenager, I looked at my mom and I said something like this. I don't really care about church. I really care about God. I'll never forget it. My mom went to my pastor, Pastor Dave Tice, Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas, and said, Brother Tice, Pastor Tice, I have a problem. Uh, Andrew's coming into the youth group, and his dad made this decision, and I think he's kind of following that trend with his dad. Pastor Tice hooked me up with a man by the name of Navi Bola. Brother Navi was a college student from Fiji, was studying at Pacific Coast Baptist Bible College. Brother Navi was Fijian, he was a He was a big guy, had a real thick accent. Brother Navi took me under his wing and became like a dad to me. And here's what Brother Navi told me. Andy, he didn't call me Andrew, he said, Andy, live for God. Live for God. Don't worry about that. Live for God. This last year, Brother Navi went home to be with the Lord. Died in Fiji. Planted a church, Bible college, was on the field for over 20 years. Got a chance as a junior in high school to go out and spend a month with him by myself at 16. Life-changing in my life. You know, kids, just because your mom and dad don't obey God, or just because, listen, just because maybe you think, well, you know what, I'm not, I'm not going to do it because my mom and dad aren't doing it. No, no, you have no excuse. Because one day you will stand before God and you will give an account for your life. You will not stand before God and give an account for his life. You will not stand before God and give an account for his life. You will stand before God and give an account for your life. And you've got to make the choice, kids, of whether or not you're going to live for God or live for yourself. You've got to make the choice of whether or not God's going to be the number one priority in your life. Young people cannot blame their sin on somebody else. Joseph could not quit God because of the backsliding of his father and the wretched carnality of his older brothers. Samuel could have quit God because of the hypocrisy of Eli and the horrible sin of his priestly sons, but he did not. Timothy could have followed his father's paganism rather than his mother's faith, but he did not. We have to have the relationship with God, listen, that we want our kids to have, parents. We have to have the love for God that we want our kids to have. But listen, it begins with us as parents. When we stand before God, we won't be able to blame our sin and our rebellion on anybody else but ourselves. Proverbs 23, verse number 26. Look what the Bible says and we're done. My son, give me thine heart and let thine eyes observe my ways. My son, give me thine heart. Dad and mom, before you and I ask our kids for their heart. Let me ask you one question. Does God have yours? Does God have your heart? Father, thank you for this evening. Lord, for the privilege it is to be in your house this Sunday night where the word of God has been able to be preached. Lord, I don't know tonight 
how the message might have spoken. Lord, I know what you have challenged me with this week personally. In my own life, as a father, as a husband, as a parent, Lord, I don't know tonight the specific needs of parents and families that are represented in this auditorium tonight. Only you know. And Lord, I pray tonight that in the bluntness and the reality of the preaching, God, I, I pray that there also is some compassion and some tenderness and a desire to see things different. In nearly 20 years of youth ministry, I've watched families fall apart. I've watched parents broken, distraught, losing their kids. I watch kids with so much potential and such a desire and a zeal for God, yet they allowed a home situation to distract them and disturb, just, just, just totally destroy them. Lord, maybe tonight as a husband and as a father, or maybe as a wife and as a mother, there needs to be a recommitment of our obedience and our heart to you before we ever deal with our kids. Or whatever the case is tonight, we just pray that you'd be honored and glorified in everything that is said and done. As we stand to our feet tonight, every head bowed, every eye closed, the altar's open. Let's just do business with God. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's just take the opportunity to talk to the Lord. Maybe you say tonight, hey, Brother Andrew, I'm, man, I'm, I'm doing everything you preach tonight. Man, praise the Lord. Hey, how about you ask God to help you stay there? Just ask God to give you the strength and the humility to stay right where you need to be. Because listen, you've got a big responsibility. I have a big responsibility. We all have a big responsibility as parents tonight. Let's honor God as we raise our children for His honor and His glory.